What's going on, everybody? This is the Ballers on Tap podcast. I am your host, Evan Kelly, here with my co-host, KK, what it is, what it do, what it ain't. Whatever it means. So, welcome to episode six of Ballers on Tap. We got a good one for you here this week. Our Braves are riding high, so of course we're going to have to touch on that. And then, it's my favorite time of the year. It's not even the NBA Finals, it's the Conference Finals. Which means we're down to the four best teams in the NBA. You have games basically every other night. Top two in the East, Cavs-Boston. Top two in the West. The one that I think everybody's been waiting for all year. Warriors in Houston. So we're definitely going to touch on each of those. Of course, we'll have our hangover of the week. We got some good ones for you this week. And of course, it being the ballers on tap, we have to try a beer. But before we get to that, I do just want to say real quickly, please subscribe to the podcast, whether it's on iTunes or Stitcher. Uh, Leave us a rating. Leave us a comment. Come find us on Twitter at ballers on tap. Suggest a beer to us argue with us when we're talking about the games or maybe let us know how wrong we were during this podcast. Just come talk to us. Uh, We definitely love communicating with the people who listen to the show. So that being said, I want to jump into the on tap portion of the podcast and uh, AJ picked us up a little something today. So I'm gonna let him tell you what it is. All right. Today, this week we got, it's from Monday night brewing, which is a big brewer down here in Atlanta. Dr. Robot Blackberry Lemon Sour. So it it should be a little bit fruity, which I really like the can. That's what one thing. Monday Night has really cool cans. It looks like a bunch of ties with robots. You got the fruits on there. I see like some lemon, some pineapple yeah. or something. <laughs> like some raspberry or black, yeah. I guess it's blackberry. <laughs> yeah, and I know Monday Night isn't really known for getting into the sour as far as no. especially in Atlanta. genre of beer, yeah, yeah, especially in Atlanta, that's a that's definitely more Orpheus Brewing's market for sure. So I guess this is their um, kind of their attempt to get into that. And uh, that being said, you want to go ahead and try it out? Yeah, let's try it out. You, you can tell it's a sour. Yeah, I think it's I taste a lot of the lemons. Yeah, first off, just looking at it, it's kind of a, a pink. A pink. Yeah, yeah, it looks pink. like, yeah, it's pink. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's definitely the, the lemon and blackberry combined to make that, that fruity, like, it's real tarty. It's it's very tart. Yeah, I mean, yeah, on the can it says tart, refreshing, <laughs> fruity. Yeah, it does. It, does. It, ta- it tastes pretty good. You know what it reminds me of a little bit, but it's got some more fruit flavor to it, is that uh that Atalanta that we tried a couple beer weeks. that we yeah. tried a few weeks ago. That you weren't much of a fan of. No. But uh, this one, it, it tastes a little bit like that, but it has a little more fruit. Yeah, this is... Yeah. And I know the last couple of weeks we've tried beers with... It was supposed to be fruity and there wasn't much flavor, but this definitely has a fruity flavor yeah, to it. Yeah, this one... Yeah, especially that one we, we tried last week that just kind of tasted flat. This one's not that at all. This one is packed out with flavor. Um, to me, what, what, I, what I like about it, it's got the sour in it but it's not so overwhelming yeah like some of the real sour beers that are out there which i i still like a little bit but 
this one's really that perfect balance of the fruit I think taste that, and the sour. Mm-hmm. I mean, I could actually drink this, you know, on a hot day out back grilling or something and uh, feel like I could. These are definitely refreshing. I do like this one more than the Atalanta that we did try. Yeah. I, I like this one because it has more of that fruit flavor. And I think a lot of the sour is somewhat masked with the lemons and the mm-hmm. blackberries. Yeah, the blackberries definitely mask that for sure. So, with that being said, good job Monday night. Um, I think this might be one of my favorite ones Monday night has done. I've had a oh wow a few of them. <laughs> uh, this might kind of bump up to the top of the list for me for Monday night brewery. So, I mean, the last two or three weeks we kind of, as far as for me, I was like, man, it's not the greatest beer. Or, it's not something I really grab, but no, this I really do enjoy this. Yeah, this I one, really like do. I said, I mean, I could I could drink this on a hot day, five percent alcohol. And I don't have to like make myself drink it, you know. This is, yeah, it's not it's not this isn't a beer where, um, someone handed it to you and you're kind of forced to drink it. This is one you, that you can enjoy. Exactly. So, let's see. I mean, it's something I kind of said last week, but I kind of want to start doing it now. Um, I asked you out of ten. What All would right. you give it? Out of 10, I'll give this a 6.57. I really do enjoy this. Okay. Still still the Russian judge over here. <laughs> well, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I have... I guess that is kind of harsh, but... Like 6.5? I'll, I'll, give it a, I'll give it a solid 7. Okay. 7 out of 10. That, that's good. All right. So... What about you? AJ's rating 7 out of 10. Um, I'd bump it to, to an 8. Okay. I think it's if I'm in the mood for a sour, I think I would actually prefer this over, you know, like I said, the the real harsh sours that are yeah. out there. Which mm-hmm. I've again, I still like some of the ones that are out there. Those are the ones I'd probably put six and a half to seven. Yeah. Um, but I bump this up a little higher than those because it's got that kind of explosive flavor to go with it. So you got it at seven, I got it at an eight. So 7. we'll go 5. ahead, we'll go ahead and average that out seven point five. And uh, that's your Monday Night Brewing Dr. Robot, which, by the way, is one of the more badass names we've had. Yeah, that's very cool. Yeah. Hand me a robot. (laughs) All right. So moving on, let's just go ahead and jump straight into it. The Braves are number one in the NL East. Yep, we're still number one. Flying high. I'm going to let you take it from there. So like you said, we're still first in the East. They're 25 and 16 with a half game lead over the Phillies. We just went on an eight game road trip. We went seven and one on the road. And this is the first time the Braves, well, as far before the loss last night, they were 10 games above 500 for the first time since July 28, 2014. That is four years ago. It's ridiculous. Interesting fact, the Braves are 17 and eight on the road and 25 of their 40 games have been on the road. So we've only had 15 games at home. That's arguably the toughest schedule in the MLB. We're, our offense is still producing. we got a plus 58 run differential. we got the most runs in the National League, the highest OPS in the National League, and we got the third best starters ERA. So our pitching is starting to come around, which that's what I've been kind of hounding on the last two, three, four weeks. Like, man, we got to get our pitchers going. That's That was kind of my shaky as far as a weakness of the team. That's what That's what I saw. And on Monday, Ozzy hit his 13th home run, tied for the NL League lead. He's still doing it. And that was his 28th extra base hit in his first 40 games. Only other Braves hitter 
to do that was probably the greatest hitter, Braves hitter of all time, Hammer and Hank. Yeah, I, was about, I, and, know, <laughs> I know where you're going right there. I'm yeah. about to say, that's got to be Hank. Yeah, and he did that in 1959. So, just kind of wrap it all up. We're still chugging along. It's still very early in the season. I do think this offense, it just keeps proving to me that, man, maybe this offense is here to stay. I would like to continue the pitching to get better. I know Monday, Tuesday night, Braves are kind of shafted on some replay calls. Like, I didn't want to get into that. That was that was pretty bad. MLB really messed that one up. I, I think it cost us the game. And we did get the lead eventually in the bottom of the eighth. We went go to the ninth inning. We're 2-1, 2-1 lead. Our closer, Otis Vizcaino, gave up two runs. I think a closer is definitely something Alex Antopoulos needs to look into as far as getting or moving a guy there that they have confidence in. Because we got to be able to close out those games. This is a very good Cubs team that we're playing right now. And we're up 2-1. We just went ahead by a Cunha home run. You got to finish those games out. That, I was watching that game. That It just – I wouldn't – yeah, I would. I, it made me sick just because <laughs> you had it in the bag. And yeah. You kind of stole that game anyway because of some of the stuff that went on earlier in the game. What do you think coming up with the uh, Marlins series? We just, went, we just went down there last weekend on a four-game series, went three out of one. Won three out of four. Looking forward to this weekend. I would love a sweep. Of course, you would always love a sweep, but a series win, that's – that's what you strive for as a as a ball club winning series. And that's mm-hmm. really all you can do. I do think, and I know I kind of harp on this every week about, oh, the talent. That's what is getting me excited. I think we have the best kind of young duo in the league with Ozzy and Ronald. Oh, I definitely. Mean, th- having those two young guys, and, I, and we'll get to this later, but it's kind of like the Celtics having two two young studs on the team that you can kind of, already see that potential into being franchise players. I think the Braves definitely have, have some of that going on right now. I mean, it's creating a buzz around the city. Like we're, we're excited about our baseball game and that's, we haven't been able to say that in a long time. Oh yeah. So, and that's what I got on the Braves this week. Yeah. Short and simple. Um, like I said, not a whole lot changed since last week cause we're still riding high. So, I do agree kind of every week into the season, you start thinking, okay, this offense is here to stay. Mm-hmm. This offense is here to stay. Yeah. I think you can't blame us as Atlanta fans being skeptical no matter what sport it is. It's like, all right, when when is this going to yeah. start going downhill? Yeah. It's, not not to down on the Braves or anybody, but, I mean, just as an Atlanta sports fan, that's kind of what you're waiting for. But it's what we've all – I mean, we, we were talking about it in week one, and now here we are still, still showing out, so – um, good look for the Braves. Good look for the city. Like you said, city's definitely buzzing. I mean, yeah. So as far as the city, 95 when we won the World Series, I was three years old. 98 when the Falcons went to the Super Bowl, I was six years old. And then we just got that big taste two years ago with the Falcons and all the, the buzz. The buzz it creates around the city. I know I'm kind of going off on a tangent, but the buzz that creates in the city, it, I was so surprised. It's on every radio station. They're talking about it. Every, all the news broadcasts, Marta buses, yeah, it's saying, everywhere. Go and I was because go brave. Then again, when the Falcons were relevant back in '98, I was six, so I didn't realize that kind of stuff. Yeah, but I remember I was 
telling buddies who have moved away from the state, I was like, man, you would not believe like the buzz in the city, like your team going to a championship game or going to the Super Bowl that it creates. It's everywhere. Yeah. So Braves, keep it up. Uh, we're rooting for you. And of course, we're going to touch on them next week and see how the series over the weekend goes. So now it's time for the real fun. Again, we had to touch on the Braves just real quickly, but I want to go ahead and jump into what is the Eastern Conference Finals. As of right now, we're recording this on Wednesday. Was this May 16th? 16th. As of last night, the Celtics are up 2 to nothing, 2-0. I was about to say the Cavs are down 0-2, but I think that's disrespectful to how the Celtics are playing. Yeah. So I the agree. Celtics are up 2-0 on the Cleveland Cavaliers. Now, before we talk about the kind of series as a whole thus far, let's just kind of touch on what happened in game one first and then kind of go into game two. Well, for one, game one, that was a, a big shocker to me. They Celtics dominated wire to wire. I mean, they really did. They won by 25, 108-83. Celtics, they just continued doing what they do. They had big games from Marcus Morris, 21 and 10. Horford had 20. Jalen Brown had 23. Rozier only had eight. Remember, I, I've been on Ho- Rozier this whole playoffs. Pretty much. Scary Terry. Yeah, it's pretty much. This ain't him. Like, he's just kind of showing off right now. So, that game one, I was like, yeah, this is the Terry Rozier. But they got so much contribution from everybody else. Yeah. It was able to mask it. Tatum, I mean, Tatum added, added 16. And to me, the Horford 20. I think I said this last week. Like, that's not a surprise to me. Horford is one of their veteran guys, and he's solid. He's a walking double-double, and he can score when he really wants to. He's not going to really create his own shot all the time, but he's a slasher. He can He's shooting threes now better than he ever did in Atlanta. So, like, Horford putting up 20, 15 to 20 a night, that's not surprising to me. And I know he he's lost some series to LeBron in the past. So I know Horford especially has has LeBron's number in his head of I want to be he he has a little more history with LeBron than a lot of these these guys do. Now we say that the Celtics played good in game one, but I think the big story in game one was how the Cavs played so poorly. Let me go through the point totals for the game. Corver, five, JR, four, Grant Hill, five, Tristan Thompson, eight, LeBron, fifteen. Kevin Love, 17. Are we talking about the uh, Pacers series again? Yeah, exactly. Are we talking That's about what it sounds now? like, right? Because, yeah, there were some of those Pacers games where LeBron would have to go off and the rest of the team had nothing. And JR would have zero, ga- zero points yeah. in the game. And the next leading contributor would be a Corver or somebody. And then you just saw, oh, LeBron had 38 points. So here's kind of what happens when you're playing – a little more solid defensive team, and LeBron doesn't go off for that 38 points, and the rest of the team really Except performs. Their average numbers. Yeah, they, they perform really how they have kind of all year, and you end up getting beat by a out-coached, really out, out-hustled-on defensive team. Yeah, everything. LeBron had more turnovers in game one than field goals made, which it's LeBron, right? Yeah. And especially these playoffs, like I've been on, I was like, man, this it's the king, it's 
Uh, you got to witness his greatness. But he went five for sixteen from the field with seven turnovers. Now, part of that, well, I'm I'm watching that game one. Part of that made me think of what I've been harping on all playoffs is this man is playing 40 plus minutes a night. He's carrying this team. Well, now here he is in the third round of the playoffs having to still carry the team. Not to say he's not capable of doing that, especially after the last round. You can I don't think you can ever discount LeBron now after seeing what he did in the previous round. But I think putting up some of these minutes, carrying the team how he's having to do is taking a toll. And that's exactly what I thought watching that first game of, okay, he's only got 15 points. Well, man, he looks tired. Aside from being tired, and this is not a LeBron hate, but this is a (laughs) a complaint. The thing that kind of ticked me off the most, though, is every single time he would drive in and something would happen and he'd miss it. And he finished with 15 points. He's immediately looking at the ref, and he starts yelling out the ref. He got fouled, man. And you see four guys (laughs) running back on defense, and LeBron is still down there. Now, yeah, granted, he cannot carry them on offense and defense, but I think LeBron kind of has a history of this, and I think I kind of saw it after the first quarter or two of that first game. LeBron, I think, is the best player in the league. And I think he can carry his team to win any single game. I don't know about series, but yeah. I definitely think he can carry his team to win any one game against anybody. But there are also times where when he gets out of it early, he will mentally check out on the team and kind of say, all right, well, let me see what y'all do. Good luck. And he kind of checks out on his teammates. Now, yeah, he's the best teammate. He passes it to everybody. But this is the same guy who subtweets about his teammates, has the Arthur fist, <laughs> says stuff about K-Love. Like, LeBron can be petty. That's not to say he's not a great player, but he can be petty. And I definitely think there's sometimes, and I think some of it was in game one, where he's not feeling it early. He's kind of out of it. He can kind of tell how the game's going. So he then goes into, I'm going to complain about the refs. And I also kind of just want to see what y'all can do on your own. And to show y'all how valuable I really am. One thing I took away after the game as far as the post game, you know, LeBron said he's not worried at all in this stage and So hold on, before that, you don't you don't think he checked out at all? I mean I see I see what you're saying. I don't necessarily I don't agree with it. I don't think he checks out. I think he he realized like, yeah, we're getting work this game. Let me just conserve, let me just chill. And that's what checking out is, man. He's like No, nah, I mean he but that as a player, you realize like that yeah, wasn't this like, game just isn't ours. That wasn't no, like but, fourth quarter of game one though. That was like but this. That was going to bring up time. another point that I was about to say before you interrupted me. <laughs> <laughs> but how he said game ones are a feel like game for me. In this playoffs, LeBron's in game ones, he averages twenty two points per game, thirty eight percent, and one from seventeen. One for seventeen now from three. In game ones, it's postseason. Now, I see the, I can see that filling out the series, whatever. How how they're gonna play me? How they're gonna play the rest of my guys? But it's the Eastern Conference Finals. That's a little. He, if they make it to the finals, game one, you don't. Oh, I'm feeling it out. Yeah. No, I I think the first two rounds you can feel out, but I think now it's time to. And if they have home court advantage, he's it, not. That's he's another not, thing. He's not feeling it out in the first game at home in Cleveland. No, you're you're at home. You got to go take those 
those home victories. So yeah, they're they're at Boston for this series. You yeah, like you said, you can't feel it out because yeah. I I don't buy that because I think, because if he had the home court advantage, he would have gone as hard as he could game yeah. one. I think that will because yeah, as you're if you're a home team and you got home team advantage, those are must win games. But I think it's kind of just an excuse to try to not let his teammates freak out because I think deep down he's like, yeah, this team. They they scrappy. They might be a little bit of something. We might have some trouble. Because he said, I'm not worried about it at this stage. Like, no, you just went down 1-0. Granted, it's, it's just 1-0, but... Yeah. And you beat, got beat by 25, and the game wasn't even close. And you played, as far as playoff career, probably your worst game ever. So... I will... You know what I will give him credit for? That post-game interview where he recited... Like uh, five yeah. plays in a row. It's overrated. Not me. just like, oh, they came down hit a layup. He was like talking about like, oh, Jalen Brown pass it to Morris, who then like put it up off the glass. Yeah. I've like I've never played an NBA game. I've played in pickup games. I've played in like <laughs> intramural games, you know, rec league games. I can I've never been able to remember like who touches the ball when I mean his on IQ's, the other team. His IQ's through the roof. Yeah, so we that's that, that's yeah. crazy. I mean, for those of you who've seen that video it's LeBron just straight reciting about a minute and a half of what happened in the game. Like who had the ball, who they passed it to, who put it up, who came back on defense alongside the actual plays happening. And it is impressive to see his recollection of the game, um, which I think helps him. Like you said, I mean, I do think that is part of the filling out process. He likes to analyze yeah. what's going on. How, yeah. How, how they're going to play this and, and whatnot. Okay. Now, go for before it. we go to game two, taking away from game one and seeing how they played and how, because it was more for me how bad the Cavs played, not how great the Celtics played. Celtics played good. I'm not taking away any credit. But the team shot 5%, 15% from three as far as the Cavs. They went four for 26. And I knew it's like, that's not going to happen. Like, you're not going to have these players miss these many shots. And you're not going to have LeBron play this bad again. So going into game two, I was like, I'm going all in. There ain't no way the Cavaliers, mainly LeBron, is going to let his team go down 0-2. There ain't no way. But see, we look we look at different things. Because you saw that and you said, man, the Cavs are shooting bad. There's no way they stay shooting this bad. Now, now I'm not you know, saying... What I see, but they did have a lot of open shots they, and they yeah, just missed. Yeah. So that's the thing. Maybe LeBron's saying that's why he wasn't freaking out because we had open looks. He just got hit him. Because that happens too. It does. And there's an, a game in the Western Conference I got to talk about where that was going on. But you got to give it. Brad Stevens has a game plan on offense and defense where he's he has his own plan for how to either A, stop LeBron. But to be honest, it's like what I've talked about and what the previous rounds have been, what the Pacers should have done. I don't think Brad Stevens is as concerned with stopping LeBron. Because LeBron's going to go get his mostly either way. Let him get his yeah. and shut down everybody else. I think that's what Brad Stevens is doing. about that, where the Raptors should have done. Yeah, and he's got... Brad Stevens has the best... Some of the best perimeter defenders. I mean, these young guys. I mean, they're not Kawhi Leonard, but they're these young guys that can move all around the floor. And when you look at just positions one through five, and this is jumping a little bit ahead to game two... But, I mean, there's a play where George Hill got switched up on Al Horford. And Al Horford is an athletic enough five where he kept up with George Hill. It wasn't like a 
grab and go. George yeah. Hill was trying to put moves on Al Horford. Al Horford's feet kept up with George Hill, switched back, switched back, and followed him under the basket. George Hill tried sneaking up a reverse layup, and Al Horford swatted it and caught it and then found the outlet pass. So that's what I'm saying when this isn't like Tristan Thompson yeah, at a five against mm-hmm. point guard. The Celtics, one through five, can switch on defense and everybody can kind of guard anybody. Well, you can look at look at their starting five. Four out of the five positions, Celtics have better players. Oh, yeah. They do. Oh, yeah. Maybe uh, Kevin Love. Yeah, but you just don't know what Kevin Love you're going to get. That's the thing. Yeah. But, yeah, going into game two, the broadcast tweeted out saying I, I said – yeah, I'll you, bet look, my you look like a fool on Twitter. I'll bet my life savings that the series is going to be tied up after last night's game 1-1. And that's how I felt. I was LeBron's going to get at least 40. He's going to come out firing, which he did. But that's... Uh, yeah, LeBron, yeah, I, yeah, I was, LeBron started the face. game. LeBron started the game, I think at one point, like 7-for-7. Seven seven. Um, he had like... Three or four threes. Three, yeah, three or four threes. At one point, I don't have the exact stats, but he had like 20 of like the 28 points of the yeah. team or something in that He, he ended up with 20, 21 in the first. Yeah, yeah. He had 21 points in the first quarter. Not the first half, the first quarter. I mean, and LeBron came out just hitting threes. Mm-hmm. He had one turnaround three. Yeah. <laughs> he was just playing around out there. It looked like The shot clock was winding down. So it looked like you're playing up. horse. I mean, he has an NBA defender on him. LeBron's got his back to the defender at the three-point line and just kind of turns around and shoots it. Nothing but net. He took a heat check shot from way behind the three-point line. It hits the front of the rim and bounces in. So LeBron was hitting these these crazy threes, but he was also getting to the basket. He was really doing whatever he wanted that first quarter. That's right. When I, when and I, that's, I see what you're saying. That's the game you thought, okay, LeBron's going to come out and carry this team to a victory because he knows – if they get down 2-0, it's, it's dangerous. So he came out, like you said, 21 in the first quarter. I don't. You can't ask for much more than that. No, you can't. From from one individual? Heck no. And that's from watching that, I was like, yeah, I, I know how this game's going. They're about to win by 10, 15 points. And it'd be 1-1. Everybody stopped freaking out. But the thing I was so impressed with, LeBron going off in that first quarter, right? The Celtics... They're not scared of this man. They're not intimidated by LeBron. And that's what's surprising is this team has some young guys who've, I mean, they're they're pretty much a different generation than like you or I. Mm-hmm. And we're not old by any means. But these guys that are 19, yeah. 20, I mean, that's seven, six, seven, eight years difference. Easy. These guys grew up, we grew up with Michael Jordan and Space Jam. Even though we weren't watching NBA, <laughs> yeah. but we grew up with Michael Jordan. These guys grew up with LeBron, right? LeBron mm-hmm. drafted in 2003, an immediate star in the league. So these guys all grew up with posters of LeBron on their wall. You know, there's the pictures of Jason Tatum as like a kid yeah, at LeBron's camp. camp. Uh, there's a picture of Terry Rozier out there at LeBron's skills camp. So all these guys have grown up looking up to LeBron. So it would have been real easy for these young guys to see really their basketball idol go off for 21 points on them in the first quarter and just kind of sit there in amazement. And I think Brad Stevens did a good job 
of keeping their focus on the prize and not getting in awe of another star in the league. Yeah, because this man goes off for 21 in the first quarter, but you're only down seven points. Like, Celtics were still hanging around, hanging around, hanging around, let, letting the Cavs pretty much get all this hope, let them do, do whatever. We're, LeBron, you go ahead and get yours, but we're going to stop everybody else that, that plays with you. And that's what they were able to do. And going, I know after halftime, they had an interview with Brad Stevens, and they asked him, like, hey, were you satisfied the way with your team kind of with, withstood the the fire, the storm that happened? And he was, like, very satisfied. And that's when I kind of knew. It was like, this third quarter, this second half might be something yeah, different. And that's, that's what I was saying is <clears throat> you have to go in with that mentality of LeBron's going to get his. Yeah. And I think that's a – they had that mentality prior to the game, so that's why they didn't freak out when LeBron got his. Yeah, because they knew Cause he was going to go exactly. off. Exactly, so it would have been real easy because here's exactly what I think the Raptors did. Okay, we got to go out. We got to stop LeBron. He's had our number for years. We got to shut this man down. And then when you don't shut him down, you get everybody kind of starts yeah. hanging their head a couple seconds longer, takes them a little longer to run back. They're like, oh, crap. Here... They're not worried about what LeBron's going to do because they know LeBron's going to be successful. Yeah. So they're more worried about what the other players are going to do and how they can contain that. And to be honest, what's scary if you're a Cavs fan is LeBron had, I mean, one of the best games of his life, 42 points, shot 55% from field goal range. I mean, triple-double. Not Yeah, like 45% from three-point. I mean, that is amazing right there for LeBron to shoot. 45% three points over 50% field goal and to still have 42 points. That's in a, that's a really efficient 42 yeah. points. I mean, I'd be surprised to see if I might get some hate for this. If Kobe ever had that efficient of a 42 point game, I doubt it. Yeah. If, if he had 42 points, he probably put up 30 shots. Exactly. <laughs> 35 shots. So, and here's what's kind of scary. If you're a cast fan, We've been talking about you don't know what K-Love you're going to get. Okay, well, here's LeBron put up 42. Hey, Kevin Love kind of looked like... Kevin Love. <laughs> Kevin Love put up 22 points, right? Yeah, so, if if you look at that, if I told you, hey, yeah. in game two, LeBron's going to drop 42. K-Love put up 22 points, 15 rebounds. Yeah. That's the Kevin Love we all know, the Mr. Walking Double-Double. If right? you heard those stats, if you read them before the game happened, yeah. he's like, oh, the Cavs won by at least 10 because they got heat. LeBron scored 42, mm-hmm. and he got help from K-Love. And, and then Corver was still 11. Anytime Corver's in the double yeah, he, digits, it's still usually and, good In look. the first half, he was on fire. But then here's three. where it's scary. J.R. Smith had another zero-point game. He's already <laughs> had one of these in the playoffs. Like, J.R. Smith JR. is either going to just shoot his shot, fading away out of the sideline, and just make him all game. He'll, or he's going to keep throwing him up and miss him. He's not going to do anything to contribute to the team in terms mm-hmm. of, okay, let me try to get some smart buckets. He's just going to shoot his shot, see what happens. J.R. Smith with zero points. George Hill, again, this is a guy you traded for, three points. Larry Nance Jr., another guy you traded for, zero points. Jeff Green, six points. Rodney Hood, two points. So if you're a Cavs fan, you got to kind of ask, okay, well, what more can we do? Do we just have to pray for a game where <laughs> LeBron's hitting all his shots and he's putting up 35 plus Kevin loves putting up 15 to 20 and then everybody else is following suit. 
Because, like I said, you might get that. I think LeBron can win a game over any team. But you can't hope for that all series. I don't think you can. No. Because you'd have to do it four times, and that's just... Especially where they're at now. Yeah, so to me, when I saw the way LeBron came out, I thought, okay, if they win this game, this is very realistic. They could win the series. Because in the past, LeBron's been able to put up points like this. Mm-hmm. Like, throughout these playoffs, he's been able to put up some of these crazy stats and his teammates not pitch in. Yeah. And he can still get a victory, still get a win. In this series, you can't just hope for LeBron to have crazy numbers and come out with a win. Not with the you way. you got to have this series. What's so fun to me watching it is this is a true team mm-hmm. versus team series and this is exactly. where you're seeing how exposed the Cavs are as a, an actual team and not just LeBron carrying them because the Cavs are firing on all cylinders with their defensive scheme with their offense granted yes they're at home so they're shooting a little better than they probably will the next two games but you can just watch it and see in a five against five what team is is playing better and I think Ty- Tyron Lue, I think he's just getting, it's like a game of chess. I think Brad Stevens is already at checkmate, and Tyron Lue like, hasn't moved upon yet. Yeah, he doesn't know what, what to do. LeBron, can you go in? <laughs> That's pretty much where he's at. But, yeah, the, se- the second half was totally, totally complete 180. They held the Cavs at 36 points. And the, the first half, the Celtics, Jalen Brown led them in the first half, kept him around. Third quarter, Terry Rozier. Goes off. Fourth quarter, Al Horford goes off. It's just that team basketball that they're playing. Yeah. Now, I do want to touch on, because I know we're going to hear this, LeBron got a little clocked coming down. Um, was it Jalen Brown? Somebody's shoulder. Yeah, Jason Tatum. Jason Tatum. Yeah. Somebody's shoulder caught LeBron. Gave him, I mean, it definitely looked like a little whiplash. Like It, it de- definitely was a hit. I would yeah. say all the stuff he flops for and yeah. goes down for, LeBron this definitely is the flops. This, this was a real hit. Like, I'm I'm definitely not just going to say it was a flop. He got hit. His face kind of whipped around, jerked his neck. He went back to the locker room, came back out, and he, he said it strained his neck a little bit. But I wonder, people are going to say, I think that that had an effect on the game. And it might, no. have, it might have had a little effect on him. But still, at the time, he had 20-something points. He still finished with 42. Yeah, it's not that, like he no. came out and didn't hit a shot. That's that's a sorry excuse. But I will, I will tell you the stat, the stat I saw that people are going to hang their hat on is... Uh, Post-neck and... Post- Celtics scored... Celtics outscored the Cavs 71-47 to after LeBron injury. Oh, God. I take it as Brad Stevens made some halftime adjustments, like you said came out second half, that team was not shook at all. Yeah. And they, they performed well for the second half. That, that that pisses me off. But I knew that was going to happen too. That's what I was like. I was praying LeBron, please come back in because I already know how this is going to go if he doesn't come back in. But one one player that's really standing out to me and as far as in both games is Marcus Smart. I yeah. was I will say as far as intensity for the game, just flying all around, man. He's night a, in, night out. He's a defensive. I have Westbrook beast. at number one, Marcus Smart at number two. Yeah, as far as just all over diving for balls, yeah. and he's been like that 
even coming out of college. Yeah, he's always been like that, but seeing it on this stage now and the way the team performing just is elevating it. I yeah. mean, last night he had nine assists. He's their leading assist assists guy because mm-hmm. he's he's not the greatest shooter. We know that, but he has tremendous defense. And he's always looking for his teammates, and he's always going to give that effort. Kind of like a maybe like a poor man's Draymond Green. I could see that. Yeah, except he's different position. Yeah, but I get I get what you're saying, and yeah, it's good for him to kind of get this exposure because I mean, yeah, he he's been known as that, but nothing counts if you fold when it really matters. Yeah, that's true. So before we move on, I mean, predictions now. Okay. For the series, because next game. Won't be until after this comes out. Yep. Celtics are up 2-0. Let's just say for the next, not for the series, but for the next two games in Cleveland, how do you see it going? Mr. You bet all your money that LeBron was going to win last game. Game three, Cavs will win by at least by at least 10 points. I think it's going to be one of those games where you're back in your home court, your arena. I think JR is going to hit at least five threes. It's just how he is. We just talked about how streaky he is. I think they win by at least 10, but game four is the big one. I think Boston, not, I mean, of course, they're not going to let them win game three, but I think they know like, this is going to be their biggest punch, their best punch that they're going to have to take game three, and I think you take that from game three, make adjustments game four. But having said that, I think Cavs win the next two games. Just because I I can't everybody's Cavs are done Celtics they're playing great defense they passing the ball around but I cannot count out LeBron James yet I I can't but if LeBron if Celtics do sneak out one game game three or four which I think maybe before Cavs will be done but I just can't I just count them out. I think it'll be 2-2 going back to Boston. I know it sounds crazy because I've been dissing the Cavs the whole time, but I think LeBron just has something in store for him. I really do. What about what about right. you? Right. <laughs> I see you looking. Well, no. So, I'm actually kind of mad you said that because I thought I was going to be intelligent with my prediction <laughs> and have something different. Oh, wow. You think that too? So, to be honest with you, now I will say this. You said you can't count out LeBron James. I mean, you can't count out LeBron James in game two, putting up what he put up. So I don't even, to me, that's not a thing. Like, yeah, don't count out LeBron. LeBron, I don't know. That last game, I think if they didn't win that, then it's not on LeBron anymore. LeBron, can he can put up 60. It doesn't matter. So I don't think it's like the previous series where LeBron's going to carry him to a victory. So that's not really how I'm looking at it in terms of, oh, I can't count out LeBron. It's more, I do think, the supporting cast, they're actually going to perform at home a little better. Um, And I think the Celtics, as great as they are, they are still a little younger team. So especially coming into game three, that first game away, Eastern Conference Finals. um, Not that they're supposed to look ahead, but you kind of start sniffing out, like, man, we could actually go to the finals, yeah, to the NBA Finals. I think they might be a little shook in that environment, just being out in a way environment. I don't know if it's the Cavs win by double digits, like you said, even in game three. But again, LeBron could put up 20. He could put up 40. I think just the all, all around supporting cast is going to actually come to play, especially with how embarrassing that last game was. 
I mean, they have to look at themselves like, okay, they came to be with this guy, and he he literally did all he could do. Yeah. And you you guys didn't do anything. And I'm usually not the one to put it on all the other teammates. I'm trying to say, okay, well, how could you make them better? But this game two was on the other teammates. I mean, that's there's just no getting around that. So I could definitely see the Cavs taking the next two. Now, I know we're not talking about the whole series, but if I'm Brad Stevens and this young team, no, you don't want to get down two to two against LeBron because that's that's when he might just do some something yeah. crazy. That's yeah. like I said against the Pacers. I'm like, man, Pacers blew it when they could have gone up three to one and they gave him a, a fighting chance. But I think if you're the Celtics, if you can really just key in, man, you just got to win your home games and you're off to the finals. The Cavs don't have that luxury. That's Cavs got to show up. And like I said, there's the supporting cast. That's what has trouble showing up at these away games. So I'm not going to try to sit here and predict the whole series, but I think if you're the Celtics, even going into these next two games, I think Brad Stevens will do a good job at just keeping them calm. And like I said, no, he doesn't want to lose these games. But at the end of the day, it's like, man, let's just take care of our home court and we're we're out of here. So, I, I, yeah, I mean, now I'm surprised we're on the the two two train. Yeah, I uh, the more I thought about it, I wanted I wanted to say Cavs go down three one. I wanted to say there's no way they get that second win at home, but I just think if all five cylinders are hitting, they can pull off that second game. At yeah, home. I mean, role players play better at home. I mean, that's just yeah. something that happens. Yeah, so. I think that that's what's going to happen. It might come back to Boston 2-2, and we'll take it from there. But I also think it's a very real possibility it comes back 3-1. to one. I'm Yeah, not, I do too. I'm not trying to go back and forth. I think it'll be 2-2, two, two, but it wouldn't be a scary 2-2 two, two for the Celtics. Now, before we jump into the Western Conference and the hangover of the week, I do got to get something off my chest <laughs> that has to do with the series that is the most fanboy LeBron writing thing I've ever heard in my life. Something I don't even think 2-1 Wilson would say. <laughs> and that's saying something. So you know me. I, I kind of like Colin Cowherd, right? Yeah, I mean, that's your boy. A lot of people don't. I think sometimes I find him entertaining. Sometimes, yeah, I'm like, okay, you're not making any sense. But I take the good with the bad. Today was the bad. So I was listening to Colin today, driving home, getting ready for this podcast. And here was his hot take. First off, what ticks me off is people keep rewriting excuses. So after the game one loss, Cowherd was saying, well, look, this game one is not a big deal to LeBron. Yeah, the Celtics were all hyped up for it. This is nothing to LeBron. You know how many game ones he's been in? This is nothing for him to get up. Because I think it was uh, Marcus Morris was saying, oh, I'm going to tell my grandkids about this someday. Or I'm going to tell my kids about this someday. And that's what Cowherd ran with. Oh, you're telling your kids about this. LeBron doesn't care about your game one Eastern Conference Finals. He's above that. That's why he won- he lost game one. It's because this is a, a much bigger deal for you to win game one. Now, I'm sitting there in my car the other day thinking, 
man, this is still the Eastern Conference Finals. Nobody's above anything. So I thought that was just a weak, weak excuse. And I thought that was as low as it could go, saying, oh, he's just above this game. Until today. (laughs) That's when I heard this argument, that if anybody actually says it to my face, I swear I'm swinging on them. (laughs) Here was the argument. Now with the Cavs down... 0-2. This will actually be better for LeBron's legacy if he loses in the conference finals rather than going to the finals and getting beat and or swept by the Rockets or Golden State. Because people look at the finals records, they don't care about conference finals records. Again, saying it is better for LeBron's legacy to lose this series of course, this came after they lost their second straight game. Rather than going to the finals and getting beat or swept. That in 20 years, nobody will remember him losing a conference finals. But they will remember him losing an NBA finals. And I kind of get where he's coming from. Almost. But to me, and his argument is that we argue Michael Jordan's the GOAT because he was 6 for 6 in the finals. Right, And LeBron's been to more finals. Well, he's also lost more. Once LeBron wins six, then maybe we can talk. If LeBron wins, if LeBron one day is six and five in the finals or something or whatever, seven and five in the finals, then maybe we'll look at it a little different. But yeah, you're saying this is you saying Uh, this is me saying it now. Okay. If LeBron won six finals, regardless what his losing record is, then we'll start looking at that comparison. But yeah, Jordan went six for six. I think even if he had losses, it'd be, oh, Jordan won six rings. I think Bill Russell has like 11 rings. Okay, but that was a different era. That's why it's not talked about as greatly. But to say that this is better for LeBron to get knocked out in these conference finals, and again, this argument only comes up now that he's down two games rather than losing in the finals, I think that's ridiculous. I think you have to look at getting to a finals as an accomplishment, especially anybody who pays attention to basketball, If Le- who's been watching these playoffs, seeing what LeBron has done against the Pacers, seeing the, what he's done against the Raptors. If he were able to get this team over the Celtics, even without Kyrie and Gordon Hayward, I think everybody would be congratulating him, no matter what comes in the finals. So that was just the most ridiculous argument I've heard in a long time. And I don't know your take on it, but I just thought that was the biggest excuse was, hey, no, this is a good thing he's losing now because this won't affect his legacy. I mean, it's just excuses that LeBron fans come up with. There always has to be an excuse. It's just it's just kind of the way it is. So I don't know when Coward got all on the LeBron train, but – is is something that's going to happen. I don't. I definitely do not agree with it. I mean, I agree with your stance. Like it makes no sense, especially with LeBron. Why he's been to eight straight finals? Yeah, he's been to seven straight. Seven finals. Seven straight. That's the chance to make it eight. I mean, that on its own is an accomplishment. Man, I I only won three, but I went to eight straight. Yeah, and we've talked about this. Like some of the teams he's carried. We talked about this in week one. That first Cavs team he took to the finals was a garbage team too. So, I mean, that still gets talked about. when Even when you do lose, okay, well, how'd you get there? What team did you take to it? Yeah, Miami losing to Dallas? Yeah, that's embarrassing. 
on you. Okay, that that's a little different story. And that was and that was his his first one. Yeah, but you're still learning how to win that. Yeah, people can bash on that one. I get it. But yeah, he took that Cavs team to a finals in early 2000s or mid 2000s. If he took this team to a finals, it would be a, a huge accomplishment. So just don't don't try saying oh it would be better for him to lose this because nobody's going to remember that in 20 years. Yeah, well, just, you weren't saying this two games ago, bef- right before yeah, the, exa- right before the series exactly. started. Exactly. That's that's why. That's what ticks me off. Yeah. If somebody would have said this a week ago, I would have laughed at him. And then here this <laughs> happens, I'd be like, hey, you still think that's right? Okay, cool. But don't say, oh, game one, he's bigger than game one. He wasn't as excited for it because this is old news to him. <laughs> and, then after, so and then after this loss... Oh, this is better for his legacy. Just stop. Like, they lost. Boston's a better team. You can, and even if you're a LeBron fan, yeah, he went off game two. Game one, he didn't, but game two, he went off. You give him all the credit in the world, and this is the one time I think you can blame it on the teammates. I've heard that before, and I've said you can't blame it on the teammates. Now I think you can. Have at it, but don't don't try to, like, sell it a different way. Yeah. That's just crazy. Just it's the sports world now, man. Everything's LeBron, and everything is just how it is. It is. So. It's yeah, it's terrible. All right, I just gave myself a hangover over the week talking <laughs> about it. All right, I just had to touch on that because that was the most ridiculous thing I've heard all week. So it's that time again. This week it is time for the hangover of the week. Hangover of the week. All right, so for those of you guys who don't know, our Hangover of the Week is a segment we like to do. We like to bring up, we'll each bring up a story that we're tired of hearing of in the in the news. We're just sick of it. We want to get rid of it, kind of like a hangover. You're just trying to hydrate, get rid of it. You're bummed out. It's a boring story. You're sick of it. Need Pedialyte. So this week, I want to bring up the Braves' disrespect in the power rankings. Now, I know we talked about earlier being in Atlanta We've had some bad luck with some sports teams. But always, we never get credit for our teams when they're doing good. So the Braves disrespect. Like I've been saying every week, we're doing great. So let's look at the power rankings. And this is from ESPN.com. Week one, we were 6-3. and three. We came in 18th. And that's 18 out of 30. Granted, early season, I could see it. Week two, we're 8-6. and six. We, we dropped back to 19th. Week three, we're now 12 and 8. We moved up to 17th. Week four, we're 16 and 11. We moved up to 16th. Week five is when we finally get a little bit of respect. It's when we take the lead in the East. But it took them 33 games in for these outsiders to realize maybe this team is decent. So week five, we moved up to ninth. And this week, we're 24 and 16, we move back to 10th. So it's just one of those things. We've I've always dealt with it, being an Atlanta sports guy, a fan of Georgia and the Braves, of course. It's always been a thing. Like I don't know what it is about Georgia, but we never get credit. We never do. And I'm ready for these guys to hop on and realize these realize these Braves are for real. So I want to retire that story. I want to get get 
in their heads that hey man we're we're here stop the disres- stop disrespecting us and that's my hangover of the week now i have heard an interesting theory <clears throat> now i don't know about like the mlb power rankings but i know the espn ones too i mean they're they're both kind of hand in hand but the espn ones definitely don't give us any love as a Braves fan I did hear I did read kind of an interesting theory as to why because back when Turner had the Braves he started up TBS mm. and he put the Braves on TBS every night and that's why you have Braves fans all over the uh, country because yeah. they grew up watching the Braves in the 90s one they were the best team consistently other than the Yankees and they were on on every, every yeah, night they're on TV, TV every, every night. single night and again I don't know how much truth there is, but I could see a little slight as ESPN's like, okay, well they wanted they tried starting their own, you know, network that rivaled us, took away some of our ratings, so we're just not gonna not gonna show them any love. It, it definitely is an interesting point. Yeah, I mean I could again, see, it I might could not see be that. it not might not be like real or might not even be all that solid, but hey, it's an interesting point, and I could definitely see that, especially back in the nineties. Okay, so I'm going to jump in to my hangover of the week. I'm going to keep it short. I'm going to keep it simple. So, this week, the Supreme Court, they didn't really pass a law. What they did is they, 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 li- they lifted. Yeah, they a, lifted the ban. Yeah, they lifted an old law that was in place that put a ban on sports betting. So, this did not make sports betting instantly legal in all states. Basically, what it does is it leaves it up to the states to decide if they want to have sports betting or not. Now, there were a few states already in position waiting for this law to be lifted that are going to really enact it pretty quick. Um, New Jersey being one of them. I, I heard Connecticut being one of them. I heard New Jersey, they want to have everything up and running in time for the NBA Finals. Oh, wow. So yeah, what quick. the heck? Because then, then what's going to happen all summer? People, yeah. I mean, people are going to bet on individual baseball games. That's not going to draw the same kind I mean, of money. The finals start May 30th. Yeah. So, so they have have a couple four, weeks. Two but, weeks. But basically, what I'm, what I'm hearing is some of these legislatures, some of these states have basically had everything in place just waiting for this to get lifted. Now, again, driving around in the car, I heard a soundbite of all these people complaining about the law, about how dangerous it is. About how now, one, there will be a sports bookie on every corner. Two, you're going to have guys throwing all their money away, going into these places, just placing random bets and completely ruining their lives. And how this is such a horrendous act because it's just going to tear apart the fabric of America because people are just going to gamble all their money away. Sounds like Republicans. I don't know. It's you get a little bit of both. Get a little bit of both. Because <laughs> to me, because at the same time you want small government. To me, it's not up to the government to decide. Hey, this is legal. I'm going to make this illegal because you might ruin your financial situation. I think. That's just the argument I'm hearing is this is dangerous because people are going to throw all their money away. Well, well that's on those ban, people. Ban credit cards. Yeah. Like it's the same. Yeah. I mean, it's exactly. not the same thing, but I, it basically is. Hey, credit cards are legal. I'm not going and racking up $17,000 in credit card debt or $50,000 in credit card debt. If somebody wants to bet, let them bet. If somebody has a gambling addiction, 
get him help. But I think it's a really poor excuse from what I've been hearing of people saying this law needs to be in place in order to basically protect us from ourselves. I don't think that's what laws are there to do. I think the people they're talking about are perfectly grown adults who are capable of making their own decisions. And if they make those poor decisions, then yeah, help them out. But that's on them. You shouldn't hinder what other people are doing based on the fear that people are just going to throw away their money. I know it's not the most in-depth assessment. Like I said, I heard, heard the sound clip of multiple complaints the other day and it just got me, got my blood going. Cause I thought this is, if you want to have a, an argument to this law, that's fine. If you don't believe in it, if you say gambling is dangerous and you have a legitimate argument, that's fine. But don't have your argument be, oh, well, a lot of guys are going to lose a lot of money. Don't act like people aren't betting already. Vegas, yeah. I, I heard a stat, Vegas makes so many billions a year through betting, right? But if you look at illegal online betting, which everybody knows somebody who does it anyway, right? I mean, everybody's got their friend that like, hey, I'm putting so much on this game tonight. So illegal online betting generates more revenue than Vegas does. So it's not like it's not already going on. It's not like everybody in America has to fly to Las Vegas just to place a bet on a basketball game or what have you. So, and I do give some uh, respect to Adam Silver, the commissioner of the NBA. He talked about this last year about possibilities of opening up the league to some kind of sports betting and getting some type of revenue off of that. I I think he's doing a good job at trying to stay ahead of the curve and not getting caught behind it and probably fighting it. Like I know probably a lot of people in baseball will, which of course baseball's had some bad history of people betting Pete Rose, but just don't, don't say this law is protecting us all from throwing away all of our money. If I want to throw 50 bucks on a game, let me throw 50 bucks on a game. If I'm throwing away my life savings and taking out another mortgage on my house, then that's on me. I'm I'm an adult. Hopefully I can get some help, but if not, that shouldn't stop you from throwing 50 bucks on a game. <laughs> and that is my hangover of the week. Now, one thing I wanted to add before we move on, I know you said that MLB and as far as kind of you don't think they'd be quite on board for this for the new betting but what i'm hearing is mlb is actually has has taken steps as far as they predicted that this ban was going to happen they they're a lot more they're farther along not as quite as far as nba because nba is always a step step ahead but they're somewhat behind nba but nfl is the one i'm hearing that is really behind and I think mm-hmm. that you just look at Roger Goodell. That's something huh. that they just it's like not, that, not that's, playing for. Or, that's kind of surprising, but at the same time, I'm not surprised. Yeah, exactly. That's when I heard it, I was like, I'm not surprised. But what about the uh, the Las Vegas Raiders? I mean, I remember hearing a lot of yeah. stuff about that, about them moving there. I don't know. That's yeah. I guess I'm kind of surprised to hear baseball's a little farther along. But I'm I mean, also I, not surprised to hear that NFL's just dragging its feet. I so. agree. Like how you said, you wouldn't think MLB would because we're so. We talk about this a lot during the show. It's like it's a numbers-driven league. It's very 
bunch of I feel like old guys. Yeah. They, they, they guys <clears throat> like we gotta respect the game, and, setting their ways. Yeah, exactly. people are arguing. Just have a shorter season, but yeah, then yeah. that messes up all the stats for mm-hmm. all the years. So that's all good on you, MLB. Caught me by surprise there. All right, well let's move on to the Western Conference Finals. So these Western Conference Finals, here we are again recording it on Wednesday, May 16th. There's only been one game so far. Tonight will be game two, so by the time you hear this, there will be another game in that we haven't had a chance to talk about. Let's go ahead and touch on game one. Um, If it went the way you thought or not, but to just set the stage, it was a big deal. Houston locked in the number one seed. This year, they got home court advantage. So, I know a lot of people thought Warriors are probably going to win this series, but Houston is at home, so you can't count them out. So, game one coming out, Harden came out just playing like you expected him to. He came out cooking. Went went three for three immediately. And if you're watching, those weren't layups. Those were Harden... Dribble between the legs, dribble between the legs, quick step back, pull up in your face. Tough, tough shots, and he was knocking them down. He looked good. I saw Chris Paul dribbling, just stop and pop a three. Like I said, when Harden's hitting, Chris Paul's hitting, they're a hard team to beat. But then on the other side of the ball, those guys came to play too. (laughs) Yeah, they did. KD came. He had 13 that first quarter. Warriors really weren't performing that first half. I I think uh, I'll just budge in right quick. I think it is almost almost like how Game Two was last night in the Boston Cleveland series. Warriors kind of just sat there, said, "Hey, Harden, you you y'all get hype, do your thing. We're going to kind of hang around, kind of be we'll, we'll we'll be here. We we see you doing your thing, but we're the Warriors. We're defending champs." And you brought up the the home court, which we've been saying it but pretty much every episode of the podcast. We didn't think Warriors cared about the home the home court advantage. No. They believe they can go to any arena and ball out. And they showed that again. Now, one. <clears throat> but now early on, we've seen you've seen the Warriors kind of have some meltdowns in games where they start getting down early. Draymond gets a tech, or he gets in some trouble, and it ends up costing them a little later in the game. And you can even go as far back as when they lost the finals to the Cavs. Well, it's because uh, Draymond had so many techs, he actually got suspended for a game. So, same thing kind of happened at the beginning of this game. Were the Warriors going to come out ready to fight when things didn't go their way? Like we said, Harden started off hot. Chris Paul was looking good. That first quarter, Rockets were on fire. And then James Harden even went down, bumped up with Draymond a little bit. Draymond ended up getting a technical yeah. on him in the first quarter, which is, heck, that's new even for Draymond. I think Draymond, I think that was just to send a message because it happened so quick. It's almost like he told Steve Kerr, like, hey, I want to get a tech right quick, but I just want them to show them we're here and, and we're ready because he was fine the rest of the game. I mean, yeah, he's he's yeah. always going to be chatty. I mean, that that's just Draymond. He he'll try to get in your head. 
But I think it happened so quick. It was just to send a message. Yeah. So Warriors played a good game. Really, at first quarter was rough. They were missing open shots. Um, I have in my game notes, Warriors are missing shots they usually make, but nothing to be too worried about. It is first quarter. And that was early on. Mm-hmm. I could see it had nothing to do with the Rockets' defense. Warriors were just having open shots from the wing, from the sides, the corners. They were just putting up shots and, and missing them. And with how great this team shoots, I knew these shots are open enough, they're going to start falling. Now, if the Rockets had just been draped all over the Warriors and they're missing these tough shots, then it's something to be worried about. But when you're missing open shots, a team this good, you know eventually they're going to start falling, even if it's not this game. But in big picture, you're at least moving the ball around to get those open shots. And this team is the best shooting team I've ever seen, just in terms of one through five. Maybe all time. Yeah. So, I knew that was nothing to be worried about. Warriors ended up winning the game, 119 to 106. So, it wasn't even that, that close. Which, if you watch that first quarter, I mean, Warriors were down. It looked like Rockets came to play at home. What's scary is, as a Rockets fan, I mean, home court advantage... I think you got the scores. What did Harden get? Hard, well, as far as Harden finished for 41, as far as in the game. But I was going to say the first half was was relatively close. I mean, Rockets controlled the whole. Really, KD was the one who kept Golden State in the game in the first half. Because KD, KD was cooking too. Harden, Harden had 24 in the first half. KD had 17. So... But that that second half was really a, a different story. Yeah, but I mean, even if you look at the end in scores, Harden had forty one, Chris Paul had twenty three. Yeah, Eric Gordon had fifteen off the bench. Yeah, that's those are good numbers at home court, and he still lost. So here is my big takeaway from the game. Looking big picture, so Houston is down now. Oh one. They lost one of their home games, and if you're the if you're the Warriors, that's all you needed. Yep, all you need is one. You needed to win one in Houston, and now you just got to take care of home court. Take care of home court. I think personally, I think Rockets might might win this second game, um, just because again they're at home, and now Warriors kind of know we handled our business. Let's take care of home court, right? Not that, again, same thing as, as the Eastern Conference. No team's going to say, okay, we can lose tonight because we got other games. But there's that little nugget in your mind that's kind of knows, let's just take care of home. But my big takeaway is if you watch this game, the Rockets were hitting these tough shots. They, they weren't the open shots that the Warriors were getting. They were James Harden's step back, um, having to put moves on people hitting these tough shots and making them and basically playing at what looked like if you're watching that, I mean, they're throwing alley-oops to Clint Capella. They were moving the ball inside back out. It looked like the Rockets were playing at their peak performance in game one. And that peak performance barely got them a lead in the first quarter. And you lost by 13. And then once, once Golden State settled in 
and started hitting their usual shots, they ran away with it. Uh, and that was my big takeaway is Houston at their best still cannot compete with a mediocre Golden State or not mediocre Golden State, but basically Golden State does not have to play their best to beat Houston because of all the weapons they have. Like you said, KD was cooking. Clay Thompson can go off. Steph Curry, now that he's back, changes up your whole defensive scheme because you have to pick him up wherever you're at. Andre Iguodala out there slashing. They're going to find him cutting to the paint, and he can get an easy dunk. Draymond Green can hit a three, but he's also, he's yeah, he's going to score inside. But what Draymond does the best is get the ball inside and find the open person mm-hmm. on the offensive end. I think Golden State showed they just have too much talent that even when they're not playing perfect, they're good enough to beat Houston. Whereas when Houston is playing perfect, they can get a little lead on an underperforming Golden State. And then especially when some of Golden State's other players step up, like Swaggy P, your boy. Yeah, I mean, he had a he had nine points in the first half. He hit three from beyond the arc. But, like yeah, like you're saying – the Rockets played like really well. You know, Mark D'Antoni said after the games, KD's going to get his. D'Antoni was more, I guess, upset with Clay. Clay added 28 and all the turnovers Houston had, which I realized how great defensively Golden State is. Jumping the passing lanes, Harden driving in. It's almost like they knew Harden was driving in to kick it out. And they were just jumping the pass lane, getting steals, getting on fast break. And one scary thing, too, as far as uh, the Rockets' perspective, yeah, KD had 37, Clay had 28. Steph had 18. That's an off night for Steph Curry. And, yeah, you can try to shut down Clay, but you still got to worry about Steph. And KD, he's playing with a lot of confidence right now. We all know he's unguardable. I mean, he he was even saying it in the game. Like, they can't guard me. And that's true. Yeah, so what do you do? Yeah, there's going to be games where they're able to stop Clay a little bit. Instead of 28, Clay might have 15. But when they're putting that pressure on Clay, Steph's numbers are going to go up. It's like they can't guard every position as hard as they want. It's just too much talent. This isn't the Cavaliers where they can, like you said, Katie's going to get his. It's like you can't say, okay, Katie's going to get his. Let's stop everybody else because you can't stop everybody else. That's every single person in that starting five, maybe aside from Draymond Green, can can be that person on any other team where the defense says, okay, we'll let him get his. Clay Thompson could go somewhere else and be a number one option. Yeah. And the team playing him could say okay let clay get his let's shut down everybody else steph's a two-time mvp kd's an mvp seven foot athletic shooter so each one of those guys could be somebody where you could say let him get his let's focus on everybody else but when you do that there's going to be a break in the wall where somebody's going to put up those numbers and then like like i just said when the supporting cast is putting up numbers like Swaggy P hitting three threes in that first quarter. Well, now all of a sudden your defense kind of starts freaking out a little bit. Because it's like, 
man, this dude's hitting shots on us. We, yeah. What do we do? We got to focus on him. And when they focus on him, well, hey, Andre Iguodala is still on the floor, and he can be a floor general, or he can be a slasher. It's just there's too many weapons coming at you. It's like it's like fighting a war on two fronts. You're you're getting attacked from all over. You can't stop that. In all the ISO that Houston plays, yeah, that works in the regular season. Regular season, the series of three games, Houston won two out of the three. So it kind of gave them some confidence. Like, yeah, we can do this, but this is the playoffs. Golden State knew that. It was just regular season. They didn't care. But all the ISO that Houston plays, that is not going to work against a team like Golden State. Did you hear what Dan Tony said? That plays said? team ball. Did you hear what Mike D'Antoni came out and said? We're not going to change it. No, that's he, just who we are. He, he said that's yeah. what we do. That's gotten us here. They're number one seed in the West, so we're going to keep ISOing. But like you said, I think people do underestimate how great of a defensive team Golden State is. Could, yeah. Um, I mean, Clay Thompson, I mean, he's got to be one of the best wing defenders yeah, he is. in the league, mm-hmm. maybe next to Kawhi. So, him, KD can guard really any two through yeah. five. Draymond's the same way on defense. Draymond can guard a one through five. Mm-hmm. Iggy can guard like two through four at least. So, yeah, you want to do that ISO, but these guys communicate so well. And that's why they say Draymond Green's the key to that team because when they're on defense, he's out there communicating every move, yelling out, he's the floor general. It's not Steph Curry yelling out, what everybody has to do. It's Draymond. That's the floor general, especially on that defensive side. This series is definitely going to be fun. I did not think the way game one went, Warriors up, win by 13. And yeah, it was close, but towards the end, it it really wasn't that close. As far as Warriors, they just had open shots left and right. Um, Looking forward... Game two is tonight, Wednesday, the 16th. This is a must-win for Houston. Oh, yeah. The the most important game of their season by far. If you if you lose this game, I think there's a 95, 95% chance you get swept. That's that's true. I think, I think if you're Houston and not that you're looking for an excuse, but if you're looking at one thing of, okay, what what's something that kind of held us back? You can look at Ariza had five fouls in the third quarter. He was yeah. kind of in foul trouble all night, which made him have to play a little little more reserved. Where he's he's kind of a junkyard dog on defense. He can get after it, and he's still a kick-out option for that three. So when you do have a James Harden ISO, he can still look to the corner, and there's Trevor Ariza ready to pop. So I think if you're Houston, there, there's definitely some takeaways to try to improve. I could... That's why I, th- I don't think tonight will be as ugly, actually, as the first game. No. But, again, if it, if it that, is ugly, I think that it's going to be ugly. The huge, but, again, Houston's that kind of blows out my whole theory of that. That first quarter, and even into that second quarter, Houston was playing pretty perfect basketball, and it got them a very, very small lead over an underperforming Golden State. So, I, to be honest, I don't know what it's going to take. I think they they're going to win tonight. I just I think Houston's going to win. Like I said, I think Golden State has that little little comfort now of okay, we got our one on the road. So I do think Houston wins tonight. Um, 
as for going back to Golden State, I don't think Houston takes any road games. Mm. So you're so you're thinking coming back to Houston is going to be three one. Yeah, Golden State. Yeah, okay. I think I think this time next week we'll be saying man, it's three to one. They're coming back to Houston. What what's Rockets are back against the wall. I think the the only I agree with you. The only way Golden State can win tonight is if, if Steph has one of those nights where he's throwing it up from half court and it's going in pretty much. I because I think Houston knows this is a must win, and like you said, no team wants to not lose a game on purpose, but they have that nugget in their heads that hey, we did accomplish what we wanted to do. But I also know this Golden State team. They would love a sweep. They would love to end the series. Oh yeah, because I think home. I think they definitely have some of that that attitude about them of disrespect. Technically, they're coming in as the underdogs, and people have been talking about Houston all year. Mm-hmm. This is the first year in a while. Everybody just kind of knew Golden State was solid. They haven't had the spotlight on them. I I think it's pretty crazy as a defending champ. People have been talking about Houston way more than Golden State. I think they do want to kind of let everybody know, look, we're the defending champs. We've been here before. We're still the best team in the West. Yeah, these guys won a few more games in the regular season. But like you said, the regular season, that's the time where you can say, okay, this game doesn't matter as much to us. You you amped yourself up more than we did. Like you said, Houston won two to three, or mm-hmm. two games. Two of three. Two of three in the regular season. I think in the regular season, that's when you can say, Okay, well, you hyped yourself up a little more because regular season, we've been here before. Now, come conference finals, like I just said about, like I just said about the Cavs and that whole BS excuse of, oh, well, he's been here before. He doesn't hype himself up. No, the the Warriors hyped themselves up for this game one because they wanted to show everybody who the king of the West really is. And I love this Houston Rockets team was built. Addition of CP3 was built to beat the Warriors. And then when it comes down to the playoffs, you lose by thirteen in game one. Yeah, so that could be a that could be a big it is big hit to their ego. Oh yeah. Big hit to the ego and they'll have to kind of like the Raptors. Raptors are gonna have to change something because they're looking at themselves as not even close in the East. Rockets, if they end up losing the series four to one, I think it'll be about four to one, maybe four to two. They're gonna have to kind of reevaluate some stuff. Again, they got to play a pretty perfect game just to get the win, and that's at home. What I'm scared of if I'm a Rockets fan is, like you said, Steph Curry underperformed. Steph Curry has been able to take a step back with the addition of KD, yeah. which is part of the reason he wanted KD to come. This, this It's KD's team. Yeah, like but it, it is. don't mistake it. That dude's a two-time MVP for a reason. If Steph Curry gets out there... And says, okay, I really want to go off. This man's embarrassed Chris Paul before. Back when Chris <laughs> Paul was on the Clippers. Like, yeah. Steph Curry has worked Chris Paul, who's looked at as one of the best defensive point guards. So, don't be surprised if it does get a little close. All of a sudden, you see Steph Curry kind of go Steph Curry. Because, like I said, it's still there. It's not like he's a worse player. He's yeah. just able to take a little lesser role, which was his choice. Mm-hmm. But if he wants to, if he can go off, especially if KD, for whatever reason, is having an off night, or if the defense is just focusing a little more on KD, Steph Curry's going to run some, like, triple off-the-ball screen 
weave and pop out and just start from 35. Exactly. So (laughs) that's, if I'm a rocket fan, I'm scared. I'm like, all right, well, where's the game that Steph starts going off? Your, your, their season's on the line tonight. Yeah. If they they lose tonight, tonight, if they lose tonight, it's a sweep. They got to win tonight just to, just to keep their head above water. I agree. Because you are, you didn't take care of business. You already lost one at home. So we're gonna see. I can't. I can't wait to watch. I can't. Yeah. I'm gonna. As soon as we're done with this, I'm gonna go check it out. And uh, like I said, by the time you hear this, we'll know the the fate of the second game. So that's your Western Conference Finals so far. It's only been one game, but already so much to take away just from that one game. And again, this is this is a series people have been looking for all year. Oh yeah, I know. We tweeted out the Ballers on Tap podcast tweeted out: Is this series going to be more entertaining than the actual NBA Finals? Well, I know Colin Coward, your boy, <laughs> tweeted out too. Is like this is the finals. Oh, I didn't even see that. Yeah, he he said this is the finals. It's just called something different. Mm. Which I think, if anything, I know there's been talks the NBA of switching the playoff format is just having the best 16 teams. Doesn't matter which yeah, conference. But they've been talking about that. But I think, since, I since think like this the early, ship- since the early two thousands, man, the West has always been stronger than the East. The East has always been one or two strong teams. Even like I said, and since the two thousands, even like the 2004 Pistons and the 2006 heat. But other than that, man, it's, it's mainly the West. So yeah, Celtics too, big three. Well, yeah, that's Oh eight. Yeah. But the West has always been been stronger, and they've been talking about this for years. I think the only thing holding the East above water is LeBron staying in the East. I don't know. I think the Celtics. Oh yeah, well yeah. Now I think I think at it. I think the East is getting kind of reborn. I still think the West is is heavy one through ten. You can look ten teams down. Yeah, West is heavy. East is still very top heavy, but instead of it being one team at the top and nobody else close. I think now you have to look at Celtics again. They're missing their two best players and they might go to the NBA Finals. 76ers, they might be one piece away plus a little bit of experience from going to the Finals. And then, depending on what LeBron does, that can shake up everything too. But I think the East is getting a little better and that's the only reason I don't I don't see the playoffs changing within the next like let's just say five years. I yeah. think I think in five years from now we're still going to be seeing one through eight west, one through eight on the east. Do you, you, I mean, do you see something different? You think they'll they'll pull the trigger? Uh, I mean, I feel like it's kind of a big change for them to do. But M- NBA, I mean, Adam Silver, he isn't scared to do this kind of no, stuff. No, he's not. Which he's he's proven. So he's we'll not. see. I, now, if LeBron goes to the West somehow, if he goes to the Western he won't Conference. I don't think he will either. We're going to be but, talking about this all summer, <laughs> so I don't want to get too into it. But but if he did, I think they would have to look at it because it would be really lopsided. Mm-hmm. Really lopsided. Yeah, because then there goes all your, your superstars right there. But yeah. like I said, we, we'll have all summer to talk about that, those dog days of summer. But um, yeah, like I said, game one of the Western Conference Finals already so much to take out of it. I'm, I'm excited for it. But you still kind of scared around the question. Do I think it's going to happen? Do you think, no, do you think these Western Conference Finals are going to be more entertaining than the actual Finals? Oh, more entertaining. Um, well, to be honest, if 
if what I'm th- if what I'm thinking, if Boston goes for the Eastern Conference, then Golden State, I think that'd be a sweep. And NBA does not want that. I really do think it'd be a sweep. I think Cavs can maybe get one game at best two. I know you're making a face, <laughs> but I, I think they can get at least two because it's LeBron on that big stage. But regardless, Golden State is going to run through whoever's out of the East. So as far as entertaining, I think, well, it really depends on how this game two goes. Now, if it's another blowout in Golden State's favor, then this series might not be entertaining as what we thought. Because yeah. we all thought six, and yeah. seven games. We've been waiting on this all, all year. Yeah, and it could just be Warriors are just that far ahead of everybody. Yeah, if if the Rockets win tonight, then yeah, this series it's going to be, be more entertaining. It's going to be entertaining, right? I mean, <coughs> I was about to say, hell, the Thunder took them to seven games, but that that Thunder had KD. Yeah, now, now the Warriors <laughs> he, yeah, have he, KD as well. So, to be honest, I think this will be more entertaining than the finals, but I think it's a different play style too. I I completely disagree with you. The Cavs somehow fall ass backwards into these finals. You think they'll get swept? They, they'll be swept. They'll be. They're not going to get swept. They're going to get like swept up into a dustpan, thrown away in the trash can. <laughs> George Hill, like Jr. Mister Zero Point Smith, Tristan Thompson. He's not like no. LeBron's going to get twenty points a night, maybe a little better. But no, these these Cavs will get embarrassed. How many? Games? I'm I'm more excited to see if the Celtics got there. I think it hurts them. They they this is when they would need a Kyrie or a Gordon Hayward. They need that star power because at that level, against that level of team, you need somebody who can just go get their own bucket. And that's what KD KD did last year in the finals. Was he was like, you don't even have to call a play. I'm just I can go get my own bucket. So I would, but I would be really entertained to see the Celtics' defensive prowess go up against either one of these two teams, Rockets or Golden State. I think it'll be Golden State. But I think it'd be at least kind of fun to see the defensive Celtics against the high-powered Warriors. I don't think it'd be a super close series, but just as a basketball fan, X's and O's, it'd be really fun to watch. But I think this is the series. This Warriors-Rockets. If if Rockets get beat tonight, it, yeah. then we all look stupid because we've been talking about this for eight months. And, <laughs> Every single yeah. sports person has. Exactly. So that's the Western Conference. This time next week, we might be talking about a whole different story. So that was basically the show so far. That's really all we're touching on is NBA Eastern Conference Finals, Western Conference Finals, because we do have so much to say about them. Because it is my favorite time of the year. I know AJ's is a little different, but seeing these conference finals, this is this is what I live for all year. I tried I told the wife the other day, I was like, Look, conference finals, you got four of the best teams. This is like Christmas time for me. Only only thing only things I love watching. Let me watch conference finals games. It's on the same level as the twenty four hour a Christmas story marathon <laughs> on Christmas. Uh, so I'm saying like those two things, if I don't have to watch anything else all year, just let me watch those. I'm good. So that's what I'm excited for. That's what we wanted to cover today. But before we sign off, we do have to get to, you know, it's that time again. It's time for 
last call. So again, for those of you who don't know, our last call is just a quick segment about something we wanted to touch on. Um, could be sports related, could not, could be something entertainment in the news, whatever. It doesn't have to be about sports. Just something we couldn't devote a whole segment to, but that we wanted to just touch on here before the end of the show. KK, FYA, he's had the last two last calls. So this week, I'll be taking one. I want to go over this last call. This week, mine is about this new documentary. I know ESPN is teaming up with Netflix to come out with another 30 for 30, which is a great, the 30 for 30 30 for 30 documentary series have been great, by the way. I haven't seen all of them, but I've watched a lot of them. And, I mean, they are really well done. Like They're top quality from ESPN, great sports documentaries, or even just great documentaries if you're not a sports fan. So it was announced uh, the other day that ESPN is finally coming out with the 30 for 30 about Michael Jordan. It's called The Last Dance. It won't be until 2019. But it's called The Last Dance. It will be a documentary about the Bulls' final season together where they won the championship. And the big deal about this is basically ESPN has finally gotten the rights to 500 hours of footage of Michael Jordan. Basically what happened is a some kind of documentary about this has been in the works for 20 years now. That final season where they won the championship, a documentary crew followed Michael Jordan around all season and compiled this 500 hours of footage. And nobody has ever done anything with the footage. Nobody has ever put it together. And from what I'm hearing, part of it is because Jordan and his people didn't want a lot of the footage coming out. That apparently it paints him in not the best light. I'm not saying it's going to come out that he's like this terrible, terrible person. But you have to remember that the image of Michael Jordan in the 90s was all based off of PR firms. He had the two biggest sports companies, I think, in Nike and Gatorade, having their best advertising PR people form a shield around him that made Jordan look perfect. Now, here in the last 10, 15 years, People have kind of seen a little more realistic view of Michael Jordan. I'm still not saying he's a bad person, but yeah, he's got a little reputation. He can be a kind of a jerk or definitely wears his stardom on his sleeves, cheap tipper, you know, just not, not like the most wholesome guy, I guess. Definitely, you know, I sell shoes to, Hey, Republicans buy shoes too. Like, doesn't support his community. <laughs> Not saying Republican or Democrat, but people were saying, oh, you, you've you got these disenfranchised folks. Like, Jordan's all about his money. That's what it comes down to. So, yeah, he's not the most wholesome dude. And apparently some of this footage shows him not being the most wholesome guy. Now, I'm still a big Michael Jordan fan. I'm not bashing him at all. But I definitely think you have to look at him with a realistic view versus the rose-colored glasses that we all have of 90s Jordan. Apparently, Spike Lee has tried getting a hold of this footage before. Oh, I'm he, sure he has. He was denied. There are multiple people who have tried getting a hold of this footage to make their own documentary off of it and have gotten denied. So this was just... I'm looking forward to this. It's going to be about a year until this comes out. 
But finally, ESPN's 30 for 30 series is going to compile this 500 hours of unseen footage and form some kind of documentary. I kind of want to ask you, I mean, what do you think about this? The whole, okay, here we've been sitting on this footage for 20 years. Because again, it's all been a PR machine. They don't want Jordan to look bad. Like, are you looking forward to this? Do you think there's going to be any backlash? Or do you, The only thing I'm kind of scared of is ESPN might take that 500 hours of footage that has been a little controversial. And not even super controversial. Just not all, hey, feel good, nice yeah. stuff. I'm kind of afraid ESPN might get a hold of that and still just push the hey, feel good, nice stuff. What I mean, what do you take on it i'm just excited for it because here's all this footage finally getting put together and i'm an nba history junkie (laughs) i mean i am excited for it too and i i remember i read one thing about it yesterday it's going to help show a lot of the younger nba fans who don't have much experience with michael jordan as far as watching him play watching his greatness it's going to help them understand like how good he really was right and how you said ESPN is going to kind of fluff it up, like make it all. Yeah, I mean, it hasn't been said they will. I'm, just, I hope they don't. That's what I'm. Yeah, I do too. But I think they because did, it's on Netflix. Yeah, it's going to be a Netflix show. I think it will be more. I will say they did a great job, and I, I haven't even seen all of it because I, I suck. But they, <laughs> they had that really long OJ one too, and that was pretty, pretty in depth, pretty eye-opening they didn't fluff that up at all they showed oj doing some crazy things so that gives me a little bit of confidence in what they might do with this footage i just i'm just saying i hope they don't fluff it up yeah i'm right there with you i hope that they show show it real so we understand we see this player and get to see all these his views and how he acts like off the court because yeah it's it, it would be easy for ESPN to to mm-hmm. fluff it up and make it seem like, yeah, he really is the GOAT. But I think they're so hooked on LeBron being the GOAT. They're, they'll, yeah. I'm not saying they're going to bash Michael Jordan, but I think they will show like the true his true colors. I think one thing I will say that one reason I'm really excited for it as well is I want to see that true kind of raw, uncut Jordan. Because with most players today, we get that real look at them because we have social media yeah. where they're putting up Instagram live or they're taking Snapchats and we're seeing these guys kind of off the court in their natural habitat, good or bad. These guys do something bad off the court. There's going to be a few videos of it where people have taken videos on their phone of whatever it is. So back in the nineties, you just didn't have that. Like I said, everything you saw of Jordan was through Nike and Gatorade Space Jam and what the NBA wanted to put out there and it wasn't until like really the 2000s that people kind of like oh man this dude had a really bad gambling problem and um, didn't necessarily treat everybody the best again I'm not saying he's a bad guy I'm just saying he's not the perfect perfect all star that those mega corporations pushed him to be and that's why I'm excited to see this I still love Michael Jordan I still say he's the GOAT I can't wait for this documentary like I said, I'm an NBA history junkie anyway. I've already watched a lot of NBA documentaries that are out there. Anybody wondering, there's a great one on Larry Bird and Magic Johnson <laughs> that's out there that is like amazing. But I'm excited for this. That was a long last call. I just had to touch on it. Next year, 500 hours of footage. 
hopefully they do the right thing with it. It's supposed to be 500 episodes, right? <laughs> <laughs> I do think it's surprising Spike Lee wasn't able to get access because Spike Lee, you know, he he did some of the first Jordan Nike commercials yeah. as uh, Mars, you know. I, I, mean, I just they, maybe I just don't think the timing was right. They weren't just ready for it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, who knows when Spike Lee asked to, That's asked true. to get it. I mean, That's this could true. have been 10, 15 years ago. That's true. So, so here we are. We're sitting about 20 years later. Um, I'm excited for it. I have confidence they'll do the right thing, so... We'll see how it goes. And that is my last call. So, everybody, that's our show this week. Want to appreciate you listening. Um, if you are still with us, go ahead and hit that subscribe button on your phone or your computer, wherever you're listening to us at. Come at us on Twitter again, at Ballers on Tap. Let us know what beer to try. Let me know how stupid I sounded today. <laughs> I don't care. Just come find us on Twitter at Ballers on tap uh kk you got anything to add we appreciate y'all like you said hit us up on twitter follow us comment leave it subscribe to us on itunes podcast we'd love to hear your feedback all right we'll take it from there i'm your host evan kelly and this is kk what it is what it do what it ain't and that is this week's ballers on tap (laughs) 